I got black, I got white, what you want? Hop outside a ghost and hop up in a fan, on. Uh. I know I'm about to blow, oh, oh, I ain't done. They try to take my floor, I take their ransom. I know that I'm gone. They see me blowing up, now they say they want some. I got two twin blocks, turn you to a dancer. I see two twin eyes, leave them on the band, uh. And I got two wanna link the game. I got red, I got blue, what you want? The Chanel, Balenciaga, Louis Vuitton. She know I got the Fanny Prada one. Yo, what's good, sitters? This is Anthony Newton, the uh, beautiful version of Bradford Douglas tonight. And I'm here with Joey Edge. <laughs> sitters, what's good? And Chris Martinez. What's happening, man? And we are front porch sitting. We've got some uh, other sitters at the desk that'll get uh, introduced a little bit later. But right now, let's introduce the man that keeps us paid right now, Mr. Uh, John Woodley and J.W. Weaponry, where they're the uh, premier gun show of the South, and they're always loaded. Uh, you should stop by and go see them from time to time. Tweet them, text them, help their social media go up, and call them if you can't go see them. Joey, why don't you give them the number? 386-243-8587. That's 386-243-8587. But they're a gun store, not a gun show, Anthony. Well, because I only buy guns for uh, protection, I go in to see the show and not uh, just shop around. So there you go. It's a show for me. Fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that story. Hey, we appreciate you filling in here again tonight, Anthony. Brad is, uh, we'd love for Brad to be with us, but Brad's working. Working, working, working. He would like to be here, but they got him swamped currently. That dude, so. that dude works a lot, man. He does work a lot. Huh? I can't I can't deny can't deny that. I feel bad for him. I'm not going to say what I said the first time. <laughs> Brad does all right. That's why I don't feel bad for Brad. Yeah. Overtime hits a little bit different. Yes, sir. You're right about that. Wouldn't know anything about it, but I'm sure it does. Yeah, same. So tonight, what do we got? What do we have on the agenda tonight? We have uh, one real mm. big thing at the end. Well, the, the, I was going to say, the, what we're going to lead with is not what the main attraction is. The main attraction is uh, the interview of Mr. Riley Reed, defensive coordinator at Union County. Yes, sir. Um, I think it's going to be a good one. I really do. We, we, uh, we've, we've talked. Obviously, he's here, thankfully, back-to-back Wednesdays now. Uh, after after a brief hiatus, I'm not sure why. <laughs> kind of pissed me off a little bit, but we won't talk about it. Um, <laughs> felt like it was a little personal, but that's you know. Yeah. Anyways, we'll put, we'll talk a little uh, SEC, Texas Oklahoma joining the SEC. Little expansion. Little expansion. Some Olympics. Um, there was something else that we may touch on that I don't can't recall right now. Probably what uh, Javi Baez. Mm. Yes, sir. Javi Baez. Yeah, that was the other thing. And then but, we'll get into the Riley Reed interview, which is, again, going to be fantastic. So stay tuned. Yeah, full show. Full show for you. If you would, give us a – tell a friend. How about that? Tag a friend. That's cool. Let's, let's switch it up a little bit. Word of mouth. Let's go old school here. Tell a friend. Uh, if you know anyone that listens to podcasts at all, football starting back up. Kind of our uh, – that's our, that's our wheelhouse there. We've, we've hopefully kept you entertained through the offseason here. Um, but like I said, football's fixing the fire back up. Tell a friend who likes football. Give us a shout. Give us a listen. I honestly don't know of anyone, and we wouldn't know, but that have been told to give it a shot that don't like it or don't listen. At least some. They may not listen every week, but they tune in on occasion. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, you, you called me this week with a, with, a, oh. with a different listener that I never thought about having, and it just like stuff like that just, I don't know, it amazes me. When people say they listen, and I'm like, Never would have pegged you as a listener. For yeah, this. Miss, uh, it was Miss Amy Johnson. She's a listener, so I have to at least shout her out. But yes, so sir. there was a, a, a reunion in Alpatter this weekend for Live Oak. Uh, I think it was a 20-year reunion. My, my mother-in-law 
they went and she was just making conversation and this lady was like, y- you know, your your son-in-law is so funny. They're so funny. And she's like, what? Like, how, how do you know them? And like, oh, well, we listen to the podcast all the time. I'm like, wait a minute, man. I never would have thought that. Ne- never in a million you know? years. And then, you know, it's awesome. Thank it, you, though. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Please continue to listen. Like, tell a friend. We appreciate it. All of y'all support's cool, man. It's a, it's a unique thing we get to do here. Um, this is episode 124. That seems hard to believe, but we're... Uh, we're we're happy we're happy to have you all. So let's go ahead and get into this thing, Joey. Texas and Oklahoma are allegedly officially coming to the SEC, correct? Yes, sir. That's the rumor. How do you feel as a lifelong Gator fan, um, SEC homer yourself? How do you feel about about this uh, expansion, if you will? <clears throat> I, I don't I don't know. I'm, I have I have mixed feelings about it. I really don't have mixed feelings about it. I'm not a huge fan, to be honest. Just because I don't know where it takes the landscape of college football. Like, okay. as a Gator fan, whatever. It is what it is. I don't – I mean, teams are teams, and, and we're going to do what we're going to do. But Can I stop you there? Uh-huh. As a Gator fan, how do you actually feel? Because what does it mean for you as a Gator fan? Uh, one more tough team, Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, other than that, I don't, I don't – I mean – Probably money, right? Yeah, I mean, money obviously is the reason they're doing it. You have some money. It means more money for – yeah, for, for me uh, personally as a fan, I don't care about it that. It doesn't help you as a fan, right. except for more money for your program that you like. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I read somewhere where it goes from like $46 million per per team to like 68 It's like a $22 million increase per team to add those two teams. Is that per year? Per year. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's astronomical. It's almost like, what, 35% increase? I, it's way above my pay grade to do that math. A lot. A yeah. lot of money increase. Okay. Sixty-eight free million dollars to be in that conference. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. It, it, it's crazy. Um, but then, Joey, now you were talking about like the landscape of college football. Like, right. In your opinion, how does it change like college football as we know it? I think I think it almost has to go to four super conferences, <clears throat> and I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. I, and if it doesn't, I don't know how this benefits other than money the SEC. Okay, so then. We didn't really talk about this yet. Four, you said four super conferences. Mm-hmm. Who, who are like what? What four conferences would stay? ACC, Big Ten, Pac twelve. Okay, so the Big Twelve gets they're liquidated. Big, yeah, they're liquidated now. I mean, they already they're, are. They're but obsolete. I mean, so those teams go to the American, or where? Like, where do they go? I'm sure most of them would get dispersed throughout the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac twelve. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I think Texas Tech has to find somewhere. Baylor has to find somewhere to go. They, they both bring in basketball. They both bring in baseball. I'm sorry, not not Baylor. Texas, Texas Tech brings in baseball. Like, they both they at least bring something to the table. It may not be football, but they bring something to the table. See, I think, like, Baylor Can, brings – Kansas brings a basketball to some, to some conference somewhere. Yeah, but Kansas football counters that, like, tremendously. Like, they have no place. that Their basketball becomes a non-revenue sport because of how bad their football is. That's – Probably true. And Baylor's football is not good enough to make their basketball, which isn't consistently great, be a revenue sport. Like basketball in itself, unless it's a blue blood. They've Kentucky, been consistently great since Drew got there. But can but I'm saying, but they're no, they're no, I know what you mean. Not enough to counter like what football does. Football drives the ship. Football runs most athletic conferences or athletic programs. They they fund everything. Right. So I I understand what you're saying. I think it makes sense like with Oklahoma. Oklahoma plays good enough basketball. They play great football. Like that's a, that's an addition. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, 
I don't know. I, for me, I have no idea. I was hesitant to talk about this because I just don't know what this means for college football. It's uncertainty and it's unknown, and I think it's greed that potentially may mess this up. And, and I'm not saying they're wrong for getting their money. That's their that's their job to line their pockets. And, right. and the NCAA did not do anything at all. They haven't done anything. They're literally, I they think, just waiting to be disbanded to where they lo- they no longer matter. Like if there is like super conferences, why do they care what the NCAA says? They don't. They already don't. Like they exactly look at look at what they do in recruiting in some cases. Like they don't care about that. Right. What are you gonna do? So I I mean for me it, it, here's what I here's what, here's what I was told. So like the Texas Oklahoma or not what I was told. This is what I heard earlier. Texas Oklahoma. Um, it led, it, 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 I guess technically it's supposed to be 2025. 2025 when their TV deal runs out. But they can the, pay an X number of dollars to get out of that prior to. I think that number is like anywhere between like 70 to $80 million uh, yeah, per. Yeah, I, I thought I saw 72 earlier. Like buyout, right? Yeah. To get out of that contract. Well, here's the deal. So the as Riley mentioned and you have mentioned previously last week, I believe the, the SEC is about to sign a deal with ESPN. Yes, sir. Worth like billions of dollars, right? Right. Okay. Well, the ESPN also owns a network called the Longhorn Network. Right. Right. Well, there's a lot of years and deal like left on that deal. Mm-hmm. Well, my understanding is what could possibly happen is, so again, ESPN wants and is going to sign the SEC. They own Longhorn Network. Texas can cash in their money on the Longhorn Network which ESPN's okay with because they're going to actually be adding ES- or Texas and Oklahoma right. to the SEC, a product that they're already going to own, mm-hmm. and they're going to be able to get that money from that deal, which Longhorn Network's already failing anyway. So it's a win-win for everyone that's not – everyone that's Texas and in the SEC and ESPN. Everyone right. wins. Everybody wins. So like that's where the buyout's potentially going to come from. And I was listening today, and I was basically they were saying that as soon as 2022 – those buyouts for both Texas and Oklahoma could be paid, and they could be playing football in the SEC next year. Which seems crazy because the timeline seems like super accelerated, but this whole deal has seemed That's, super accelerated. I thought originally when I first heard the story, I was like, "That's silly." Like, A rumor, like right? Last last Wednesday, right before we we started recording, we we almost talked about it. And we we're like, "Yeah, let's let's wait until more details come out because I mean, there's the likelihood of this happening anytime soon is seems silly," and then. Two days later, it was like, hey, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. And we were like, uh, okay. And then now it's like, hey, <laughs> soon is next year probably. Yeah. So hope you're on board. Yeah. It, it, I think it gets even trickier because I saw where the commissioner of the Big uh, Big 12 issued a cease and desist to ESPN because it came out that they've got all this information and stuff going on back channel to what you're saying to give it some validity. So, like, they wrote him a letter. It, got, it was on social media today from the commissioner saying – Stop tampering because it's shown that you're tampering to make them leave this conference. Yeah, and it, it absolutely is. I mean, it's 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 a business, and while I understand that, it's ugly though. Like yeah. it's ugly. Like I, I feel like A and M and Jimbo, like they got done dirty. I feel like. I mean, maybe A and M's uh, president, when, or maybe it was their athletic director. He was talking about it. And he he whined like he was from the university of central Florida. And I, I, it was very, uh, <laughs> it was very, uh, tasteless in my opinion, just man up and play. How about that? So it wasn't at all grimy how they went about that. And they left Texas A&M out of it. <clears throat> I don't, don't complain about making an extra $23 million a year. Like 
But it was kind of weird how they went about it. Like, why? And no, no, I agree with that. It was. So if weird. you're a And M, like you have to look out for a And M, and you are bringing another Texas gigantic Texas market to. You're bringing your conference. the Texas gigantic market. Very much so. I told you were the little brother to begin with. No offense, Texas and And they got lucky to get in. Right. Texas stayed because of the deal, the ESPN Longhorn Network deal right. that they thought was going to be end all be all. Was not. <laughs> Hasn't has not been. It has not worked out like they thought. But <clears throat> so chase that money. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and what, that's what and that's what the SEC is doing. It's just interesting. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know what's going to happen. I know like Florida State is in a, a TV deal with ABC and in the ACC through like twenty thirty five. Oof. Yeah. So like that buyout is like they don't have the fu money that Texas and Oklahoma have. Not many do. No, I mean, no I one, don't know if anybody. Probably no does. one does of Texas, anyways. If, yeah, but. So I don't, I don't I really I really don't know what happens. Here's my one thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of like let it go. Yeah, I'm with it. So you think about it like this. You know, everyone wants to add teams, like expand. So like the ACC, okay, SEC just added Texas and Oklahoma. Everyone, or, or there are people that want the ACC to add like no, West Virginia. Notre Dame, and West Notre Virginia, Dame. yeah. Well, Notre Dame is kind of the anomaly because they will bring in enough money. Uh-huh. The problem with adding, like, I heard, I saw UCF and West Virginia. The problem with adding a program like that is, so they split money. It's called revenue sharing, right? So if you think about it, there's four people in a room. They each they each bring $25 million to the table. Between the four of them, they've brought $100 million. Right. When there's only four, so you split that four ways, they each make their $25 million. Here's the problem. West Virginia wants to come sit at the same table, and UCF, they want to come sit at the same table as these guys, these four teams that bring $25 million to the table, but they're only going to bring $5 million. Right. So now there's $110 million, but it's not being split four ways. It's now being split six ways. So that doesn't work because now we're letting you come ride our coattails for, a, for less money. The SEC brought Oklahoma and Texas. That works because they're bringing their worth, their value, and then some. Right. So that's why everyone's profit sharing got to be more. So Vanderbilt, like you said, and, and, and other schools, they can sit back and more the merrier, baby, because we're not bringing anything. <laughs> Bring it like more. We want more. They're teams. bringing up that GPA. Yeah. When they okay, who cares about that? That's, that don't that doesn't equate to dollars <laughs> immediately in, in football. If you're smart, that's cool. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying GPA doesn't matter. I'm saying like in this in this conversation, right? Who cares? No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but that's the issue with like expanding. That that's why it sounds good, but when you actually think about it, like these conferences or ACC, anyways, does not want to add just to add because it ultimately by adding, it's going to take money out of the programs like Clemson and Miami and North Carolina's pocket, Florida State. It's going to take money out of their pocket. It's just, just really, really tricky. But like at the same time, they cannot sit on their hands and do nothing. Right. Because the just, ACC has to bring Notre Dame. Who? The ACC. They have to bring Notre Dame ASAP. Right. Like they have, to, they have to be on the phone with them, I don't know, a week ago saying, hey, we need you. Notre Dame is one that has the cachet and can bring the revenue to make it make sense. And like you said earlier off air, I'll let you say your point. Like by bringing in Notre Dame, that allows you to bring in a West Virginia, right? right? Because right. – yeah, I mean, because you were talking about earlier, like the, the money offset or whatever, they're going to bring in enough to where you can bring in a West Virginia or a UCF. Now, I don't know whether you can bring in three more because, in theory, you'd have to bring in three more to make it to 16 yeah. after, after Notre Dame. Yeah, you'd have to have yeah. four total. Yeah, so 
And Notre Dame brings a lot. Like they, they bring a lot to the table. I, I don't love Notre Dame, but their brand is is their brand, and they have money. And well, they have an exclusive contract with NBC, and like their network, it does work. Right, it, it, proven for many yeah, a year. It makes tons of money. Like they always have a draw, whether they're good or not. That's that's irrelevant. It doesn't Completely matter. Irrelevant. Agreed. The people watch. The tradition is there. Like they have, the fan base is built for years and years and years. Like mm-hmm. it that works. It does. But I don't know that it works to cover three other teams that don't pull their weight, unless right. you cherry pick from a Big Ten where you go get like Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, and then you do make like a true super conference. The Big Ten won't like that, but but damn, the Big Twelve didn't like what just happened to them either. <laughs> so I, it has to be something like that. I, I think if you truly want, and I don't think that there, I don't think there can be four super conferences. I really don't. I really don't. I think there's going to end up being two. Hmm. That's I, interesting. I, I just don't think I don't. What happens to the West schools? The who West cares? Schools. Does anyone care about them now? <laughs> Unless you're an alumni, you live out there, or Anthony Newton, you don't care about Pac-12 football. I mean, Oregon. Oregon makes his money. Oregon is Nike. Phil. So you. Phil Knight makes his money. So at the end of the day, you can't exclude Oregon because Oregon. Because Oregon Phil Knight is a big player too. But Oregon doesn't need Pac-12 to stand on their own. That's what I'm saying. These other conferences are propped up by their conference. Or these other teams are propped up by their conference. Oregon, USC, they have the they have the cachet and the tradition. But outside of them, the only reason we like the um, Pac-12 football is because they play late at night and we can watch football whenever like the real football is over. They, they're like the watered down version of football. Like that's what we we watch mm-hmm. Washington and, and we watch that shit whenever there's nothing else on. You're not it's wrong. Midnight and we're watching these games because well there's nothing else on because we're degenerates. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but but I'm saying like I will speak for myself because I'm a degenerate. (laughs) You bring up a good point. Oregon does have Phil Knight, so they're one thousand percent safe. They could go independent and never have to worry about a damn thing. They're going to be okay. But who cares about UCLA? Who cares about Cal? Nobody. Who cares about Oregon State? Nobody. Utah. Utah State. No one cares about like people in Utah don't care about Utah State. No one. No one cares like Utah. You think they do? I think they care about Jordan Love. Oh, my and God. Here you go. Because football drives this podcast, we're thinking about it from the football perspective. But UCLA softball is huge. Those other sports have, have – their basketball is huge. So, their other sports. Not uh, Non-revenue sports. And, and Pac-12, I, I listened to this podcast that said Pac-12 basketball is horrible, and then they had the best showing in the tournament. <laughs> um, so, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying what I'm saying. Shots fired. Fair enough. What I will say, while the, all that may be true, they're still non-revenue sport. Well, neither is football for UCLA or for Cal or for Oregon State. They don't have fans at Oregon State. They don't care about football. My point. They, probably, they, are, have, they probably have just as many people at basketball games as they do football games. So they're all non-revenue sports. So who gives a damn what happens over there? No, I agree. Are they even going to play sports? In California, maybe not. Oh, because, I mean, it didn't. they damn sure they almost didn't play this year. Yeah, in California, they may not. So, like, that's the other thing that needs to be taken, like, took into consideration. And I think that's where all this started. Like, if COVID doesn't happen, I don't know that any of this conversation happens. I think commissioners and everyone else got real frustrated with everyone else's stance and viewpoint. And they're like, hey, we're done doing this again where we have to, but can we play? Can we not play? Your rules are different than our rules. It's not safe to play football in the Big Ten. But then all of a sudden now it is safe. We're going to play five-game season because we have to try and get Ohio State in the playoffs. Like, I think that pissed everyone off. And that made, was like a, like a realization of like where priorities stand. Right or wrong doesn't matter. But I don't think they want to 
count on. No, the priority is money. And so do, like so my, you said, right or wrong is irrelevant. That's the priority, and that's what they're going for. And the for. reason I said and I said at the very, very beginning, and so did you, there will be a football season mm -hmm. because why? Because of money. It drives, yes, money. That's it. Money. The universities have to have money. What gives you money? We were, yeah, football. football. And so then, okay, so my question to you is this. Do you remember how Ryan Day felt at Ohio State with the Big Ten? Did, did, he, did he like the Big Ten stance that they took? No. Because I almost think he almost like, it was almost like really ugly, right? It almost was really ugly. Okay, so if he gets an opportunity to maybe jump, and not just him because he doesn't get to call that shot, but like if Ohio State was like, hey, wait, whoa, whoa, we don't really like how this is going. Like we want to jump, like we're, we're good. I don't know that they wouldn't. I think NLIP plays into it too, talking about money. Because leveraging playing in the SEC. NIL. NIL, what I say? NLI. Uh, Same, yes, it happens. The NIL. Um, I think that plays into it too. You see the, the number one overall recruit yeah. right now is saying he might skip high school football to go ahead and make his money. Um, and so I think that that's – they opened a whole bunch of Pandora's boxes that they didn't fully think out. I totally agree. I think <laughs> Yeah, 100% agree with that. There was an un – that was an uh, unforeseen consequence. That's it, it But it is, was foreseen by every human alive except for them. I don't know that they went as deep to think that kids in Texas are going to sit out their senior year and go to college a year early to go get a seven-figure a seven really? check. You don't think that that crossed their mind at all? It crossed our minds, and we're not very smart. No offense to us. Well, they're the ones that did it, so they might be a little dumber. <laughs> Touche. There's no guideline. It's just all great. Wild Wild West, right? Wild Wild West. So, so like, this is what you get. Mm -hmm. Now it's a mess. And like, what? Here's what I want. Here's here's all I hope for. I hope that college football does not get destroyed for us as the fan. I really do. They've already. I think they've probably already done a pretty well, a damn good job of messing it up for the athlete, uh, high school athlete. Like they've kind of they've kind of butchered that a little bit. But like, imagine that kid's teammates. Like, like I don't know, man. No, yeah, yeah. I don't like sure. to see college decisions trickle down into like high school. Like, yeah, this kid's seventeen years old right now. He shouldn't be having to make a decision like, do I want to go to school my senior year and play football or make a million dollars? Shouldn't be the case. But here we Texas, are. and really, you want, if you want to blame someone, maybe blame Texas. Like, why? Why can't? Why can't he? Why can't he? I mean, I don't. We can't in Florida either. So the the problem is, is it just gets weird because then you got people that are praying and taking advantage of kids, and they get oh, bad. They get, but then they get into bad deals. So that's why can't he? I understand the why. It's just. It's just a mess. It's just a mess. It is so. a mess. All right, we've we've probably covered this long enough. Freaking twenty-two minutes. Twenty-two Jesus. minutes. We'll we'll cover the Olympics pretty quick. What just overall? What's your synopsis on the Olympics so far? It's been hard to watch. Extremely not, hard to watch for me. Not like hard to watch in the sense like I don't like America. I love the Olympics. Typically, typically love it. I just can't follow anything. I, I can't find. I I don't know if it's because it's in Tokyo and so the time, time difference, difference maybe. And so you already know half of what's already happened. You've seen some of it in the morning and then don't know like what's going. Yeah, what's live, what's not live. I don't know if it's that or if it's if it's just because everything is so like you'll have a block of seven hours of yes. swimming. Uh, ping pong, three on three volleyball, fencing, and something else. And I'm like, well, what am I watching today? And then I get, I hit it, and it's a commercial. And so then I try to find something else. Yep. And then you go to Peacock, and then you have to go to 14 different uh, TV stations. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm struggling. Follow, like I can't. I'm struggling to truly like focus on what I want to watch, and then actually watching it. I can't find the events that I want to watch. I got it's, it. It is. It's it's hard to they're making it hard to watch the Olympics. Somebody is not because I don't want to like support our athletes. It has nothing to do with it. But it's just like hard to 
figure out where and what and when. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I, it's very. Uh, yeah. I told Riley that it was streaming on Peacock. Riley has Peacock, and he goes, "Well, I hell, I didn't even know. That's poor marketing." He's absolutely right. Yeah, I know. Like, I love Peacock, so I knew it was on Peacock, but. Still, it, 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 the, the fact that I have to, so I stream everything. It's the fact that I have to get out of one app, go to another app to find this. And then when I get there, it's not what I want it to be. I'm, now I've lost focus. I've, yeah. lost, I've lost all my want to to watch whatever it was that I wanted to watch. Totally agree. Not, not a big fan. Not a fan. Um, I guess we'll wait three, four years now for the, for the next one. Hopefully it's a little I bit better. Three. Three? three, yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be 2020, right? Yeah, 2020. So I believe I Kirby Sneed's uh, Santa Fe Raider alum just... Pitched in the bigs for the first time ever. How about it? Hmm. Anyways. Speaking of baseball, uh, we got a question from uh, a sitter about Javi Baez and what, what, the, uh, what the situation for him would be like if, if and when they play the Reds again. Um, so I don't know if you saw this or not, but the other day, two days ago, I think as you listened, Javi Baez hit a walk-off, not home run, but it was deep enough it was going to be a sack fly, and so the center fielder just kind of let it drop or whatever. Um, so it ended up being, I guess, a single in theory. But, uh, yeah, before he before he touched first base, he definitely took the bat up and, like, gave a sweep sign as, as he was, you know, going to first base. And I, I, I personally loved it, but what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I, also, I also love it. I, I think uh, for it to be the end of July, the series, and he's, he feels like, like that into, like, competition, I'm a fan. Like get him out. Yeah, I, I'm. I agree with that. I um, I love I love a little bit of excitement in baseball. I think it's good for baseball. I think it's good for uh, just the game in general. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 a okay with that. As far as what should happen to him the next at bat, um, nothing. Amir Garrett should stop talking all that nonsense that he talks, and then uh, maybe Javi Baez wouldn't do that. So no, I don't think anything should happen. Um. So I think this is where we we will. Uh disagree a bit i'm whatever they want to do i'm good with like he did show you up a little bit so well, it, he showed you up a lot of it so then if you want to throw at him throw at him i have no i have no problem with that i guarantee when javi baez did it he knew if i make a scene here they potentially might throw at me oh well it is what it is like who cares no i agree with that i, I do agree that with that that i i do think that he understands the situation now he probably won't like that situation when they do throw at him but that's that's life so what Every action has a reaction. When you go crazy like that, some reactions are good, some are bad. When you go crazy and show out and do like that, that I'm, I'm all for it. But understand that that action probably is going to have a reaction, and they're probably going to throw at you. If I was on the Reds, I'm throwing at them. I'm, period. I'm throwing at them. And right, wrong, or indifferent, that's just how we would handle things if I was the manager of the Reds. Let me ask you this, and I, I don't know if you know enough about this to really give a full opinion, but if it's anybody but Amir Garrett on the mound, do you think it happens quite like that? Um, I think Javi Baez is an emotional guy, and he was juiced up. And I do know that Amir Garrett is kind of a common denominator of a lot of drama and dust up and stir up because he does run his mouth. So to answer your question, it may not have been as – um, elaborate or as in your face fu type from Javi Baez, but at the same time, I'm good with it. Literally either way, I, I'm cool with both sides of this. Yeah, I don't think it's quite the same. However, I do think, like you said, he's a fiery, emotional guy. Anyways, most uh, most of of those 
you know, the Dominicans and the Puerto Ricans, they, they play the game with flair. They play the game with excitement. They enjoy themselves while they're there. So I, I think it probably happens regardless, but if it's not Amir Garrett, I don't think it's quite the, the significance that it is as we speak. So I don't really have much else to say about that. You good with that? Yeah, I'm pretty good. That was our, our good buddy and longtime listener, your cousin, right, Terrence? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, Terrence, that's a good question. We appreciate that. Um, all right. So about 28 minutes in, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and begin our uh, interview here with, with Riley Reed. Riley is, so you guys, if you guys have been listening for this long, you know I, I kind of know a little bit about X's and O's, and, and I do. Um, I appreciate the game at a, at a pretty high level, and I, I can understand a lot of what's going on at a pretty high level. Riley is as sharp, or if not sharper, than some of the, the smartest people I've been in rooms with. Um, when we when we first started talking defense, it was like it really was weird because I'm like, wait, this guy is exactly like me. There's only one thing that we differ in, and we might get to it here in a question. Um, <laughs> he knows what it is, and then we, we're polar opposites on it. But that's okay. Like as far as most of uh, like defenses and things like that, we speak the same language. Uh, we understand what we're going on. Riley's really really sharp dude. He, he spent a lot of time or a little bit of time at Florida. Um, and then he was at um, Trinity Catholic in Ocala before he came to Lake Butler. Now he's on his second year here in Union County. Um, the defense was dingy as hell last year. And if, if all goes as planned, it, it should be a little bit more uh, salty this year. Um, without, without further ado, Joey, let's go ahead and jump into these questions uh, with Riley. Riley, we're happy to have you, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. It is good to be here. You get that? Good to be here. Hey, that a boy. Yeah, that's better. Um, I, first of all, talk, talk about your playing career a little bit and what led you into uh, to coaching in general. I was not very good. <laughs> that, that's why. That's why I coach. I mean, um, so we I, have something in common. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I was always a little different. Like I, I always was a big, just fan of football. There was a. My grandpa always, he likes telling the story. So my parents, they were out of town, and uh, I was staying with my grandma and grandpa. And this, was, this would have been 1997, and Florida was playing Tennessee that year. So I would, have been, I would have been two years old. And so they're watching it on the TV. And every time Florida scores, I would run up to the TV and I, like, in my diaper, and I would just be like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and my grandpa was like, this little guy, he's different. And um, so then it, like, it kind of went to where – like, I was, like, the weirdo that had the action figures, but I had them, like, lined up in, like, 11-on-11 11 11 scenarios, and I was running, like, power and shit. <laughs> like, and, and then, like, in art class, when we're supposed to be drawing, like, animals or whatever, I'm drawing, like, football plays. So, it, it was – I was always weird like that. It's just always been uh, – I've just always really enjoyed the game. So. All right. So, we kind of alluded to it earlier. We mentioned that um, – you you were at University of Florida. When like when did you get to Florida, and how like how did you go about getting you know your foot in the door at a, at a program like the University of Florida? Yeah, so I, I was actually lucky. So I, I got there and um, I guess it would have been fourteen is when I started, and um, my dad had a buddy that was kind of directly hooked in with um, Chip Howard, and so Chip Howard was. Um, basically like one of the assistants so there was two assistant ad's and this was still when jeremy foley was there 
So Chip Howard was basically the guy that was in charge of like internal type of ordeals with any athletics there. So I had a meeting with him and he hooked me up with um, George Wynn. So George Wynn at the time was, I don't know if he was the director of football operations or the assistant director, but I mean, he was, that, that was his role. And so I, then I had a meeting with him and about two days later, I'm in the football office and I'm just basically running errands for, you know, whoever would give me shit to do. And like, so my mentality, so, I mean, it was, it was special for me because my, my mom and dad both graduated from Florida. Uh, my grandpa is probably one of the biggest Florida Gators fans on the planet. From the time that he retired from um, the Florida Highway Patrol, he went to every single Florida game up until probably about, 10 years ago and it, it I'm, it's not like home game like it was home away championship game whatever it was I mean he My was there yeah he was there for 25 30 years and I was with him from the time I was about five until I started playing like Pop Warner football so I was either you know 11 or 12 now I only went to the home games but um, so it, it was special for me so I like I went into it knowing like I mean if people wanted me to get their coffee I was going to do that expeditiously and <laughs> and you know eventually it just it kind of trickled down where you know eventually I was helping setting up drills in the off season with the DBs and then I was sitting in meetings and it just they kind of just kept putting more and more on you so that's pretty cool so you were a grad assistant there right no so I never grad assistant I, w- I was a student assistant student so assistant, undergraduate yeah. assistant um, intern whatever you want to call it um, so when I was there for grad school that was mm-hmm. when Mullen staff came in. I, got I, I never worked for them. I, I would have loved to, but yeah, <laughs> just know, didn't. Because we, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't very good when I was there. So. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I knew that though. <laughs> uh, so, what was the coolest thing you saw while you were at UF as a as a student assistant? Um, so I I, I would just say some of the venues you get to go to. Yeah, you know I've I've been on the field at, at Bryant Denny. Ooh. That was in 2014. Um, you know, I've I've seen them sing Dixieland Delight. Yes, sir. Um, LSU in 2015 was good. That was a night game. That was after. Um, so we were both undefeated. I want to say, I want to say we were four and zero and five and zero, and it was the week after we had beat Ole Miss. Uh-huh. And this was um, this was in 15, and Ole Miss had just beat Alabama. Actually, that might have been the coolest thing. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. So, so 2015 Ole Miss, okay, they were they had just beat Alabama. They were undefeated. I think they were ranked like second or third in the country. Yep. They were scoring like 63 points a game. They had um, Chad Kelly. They had some freaks at receiver, Lacan Treadwell. Uh-huh. Um, they were really good up front. Now, I think when we played them, they were missing one of their offensive linemen, so they had to shuffle some guys around. Um and that was a night game. We were also undefeated. I think we we might have been ranked like twenty something. I mean, because it was still early. It was that first year with um, with McElwain, right? But the that was a really really good atmosphere, and um, they just went out there and, and and they dominated. I mean, that game. So that game plan, it was like, and I, I was actually talking to Chris about this the other day. It was we had really good DBs there then. 
We had Vernon Hargraves. We had Quincy Wilson. We had um, <laughs> Tease Tabor, Keanu Neal. It's pretty good. Marcus May. Yes, sir. I mean, like that DB room was just the way the, those guys went about their business and everything was impressive. So it was like we felt like we could play coverage. The issue was like the Chad Kelly kid. He's like when they played Alabama, right, Alabama was playing like two-man and he's running all over the place on them. They got no quarterback player. So what we did was we played a lot of – like two man or one cross, so you're getting you're getting seven guys in the coverage and you're playing like tight man. Um, but we were running line games up front and we were using Jared Davis as like an extra player on Chad Kelly as a spy, um, and that was just I, I think. I can't remember the final score of that game. It was like 38-3 to three or 38-10. to 10. It was 38-7 I mean, or 38-10. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, one of those two. I mean, the defense just played lights out. It was one of the best game plans I've ever I've ever seen, and, and the guys executed so well. It, that, that was a cool night. Swamp was on fire. Who was the main orchestrator of that game plan out of curiosity? Jeff Collins. Yeah, figured. Wasn't me. Yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you had some input, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, no not at all. You did. Well, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so, so speaking of that, I know right now you're at Union County, but is, uh-huh. is coaching in college, is specifically at UF, is that like a dream of yours or is that something that you're not really into and you, you like the high school game? And Yeah. So, so at one point it was. Um, now, I think like now it would, have to be, it would have to be something special that came around for me to get back into that. I just think that, that there's so much that, that – like you have to do at that level from recruiting and there's there's just so much. I mean, there's there's not a lot of downtime, which, I mean, really I don't really care about that. I mean, because it's not like work. Um, it's just hard to get into them, man. Mm-hmm. Like the route that you have to go is like you have to GA and then, you know, you have to go back down the ladder and climb the ladder. And, I mean, it's nothing in there is guaranteed. Um, and I really I really enjoy where I'm at. So, to me, it would have to be a sweet gig for, you know, something to come along for me to jump at that. I got you. I'm going to add to that real quick. Sorry, this wasn't on the, uh, the notes. So, it's just an add-on question. Um, what do you think you would excel at in that, in that scenario? Like, are you, are you a player's coach? Are you a great recruiter? Like, what, what do you think you would excel at if you decided eventually to get to that route? Uh, I'm, just, I'm just a worker. That's that's kind of like always been my mo. Yeah, is I just I enjoy like seeing things and and like I don't know if it's ADD or ADHD, but it's like I <laughs> see something I like and I gotta I got I gotta like full dive into it. Like I gotta learn as much as I can about it and um, you know I I just enjoy it. So it's really it's it's never been like work. So I got two questions here. Um, and, and, and I'm sorry, both, neither, I should say, neither are on the list that we gave you. What, so kind of backtracking a bit, your time at Florida, what was your title? Like, what was your role? I know you said you would mm-hmm. go get coffee. You would fold laundry if you had, if they asked you to, but like, what was your role um, in your time at Florida? Can I, can I say the, the DB bitch? Yeah. Cause like that, that was, that was kind of, it was like, I was basically the student assistant to, T. Rob when he was there, yeah. So Tavares Robinson, who we who we spoke coach. highly of, yeah. On this yeah. on this podcast, real, real sharp guy, real yeah. Sharp, really good football coach, yeah. Put a lot of guys in the league, absolutely. <laughs> a lot in that room that you were in, yes. And continues was, to put guys into the league. That was a stout room. That unit was impressive. Just had a first round DB drafted this past year from South Carolina. 
Yeah, that, that dude can play. Um, so th- this is more of a comment. So, like, when Riley says, like, he's a worker, he, he 1,000% is a worker. Like, so much so that I'm not a huge believer, or I wasn't a huge believer of, like, what we call our mint front or tight front, which I don't want to really get into that too much. But it's um, it's come on here kind of as of late. Georgia kind of made it. Would you say Georgia kind of – I would of, say Wisconsin. Wisconsin first. Wisconsin with, with uh, Aranda there. Aranda. But it's like – Basically, you have soft edges, kind of, like pre-snap. It looks like it's a soft edge. You have your – everyone's typically used to seeing, like, defensive ends be outside of the offensive tackles, like pinning their ears back and rushing, okay? But, like, this tight front, if you will, is these guys are inside of the tackle. We call it a four-eye, and they just dominate the, the interior gaps. So there's Everything inside is dead, and pe- teams think that they can run off the edge, but there's guys there right now. And so I wasn't a huge believer in that because I don't like having a soft edge. It freaks me out. But when I when I listened to like Riley explain it and kind of and kind of like talk me through because I never had that before. Like I never had someone else teach me um, at least about this tight front. And then Riley was like, "Hey, look, this is how it works. This is why it works." And then and so here's the here's the part I'm getting at. Not only did he tell me that, he showed me in clips and plays that he had kind of already broke down. And it's like, hey, this is how it should work. This is how it should fit. And, like, the luxury that our players have from being able to, like, hear it and then also see it because of the work that Riley's put in mm-hmm. is, like, it's, uh, it, it, it's hard to quantify how important that is, like, for, like, for our kids. So the second part wasn't a question. It was just more of, like, a, that's a, it's, it's the most organized stuff I've, I've ever seen. All right, next question for me is, who was the best recruiter in your time at UF? Mm. It's probably two guys I've already talked about. It, it would either be T-Rob or it would be uh, Jeff Collins, one of those two guys. Yeah. I mean, just, just they're both energetic guys, and they relate to kids well. I think Jeff Collins is doing a really good job at Georgia Tech right now, and I think it's a tough place to win because of um, – you know they're kind of like the Vanderbilt of the ACC, right? Mm-hmm. They, they they have a high academic um, yes sir uh, floor to get in there, but um, I think he'll do a good job there. I'm a big Jeff Collins guy. Yeah, so we are we are also a big Jeff Collins uh, podcast. We we like okay. Jeff Collins a lot. We've talked about it multiple times how mm-hmm. good we think he is. Yeah. Um, it, it's very it's very to me when he went to Georgia Tech, he he had to replace everything there because yeah. they ran the wing T mm-hmm. like. No, this this you know what I mean. Like yeah. I, I just it, to he he's I think he's going to be special yeah. because of the things that you said. I think he's a really good recruiter and he's a a really really good football coach in my opinion. Yeah, I enjoyed his time at UF. Who was who was the other name you said? I missed it. T Rob. T Rob. Yeah, you just look at the guys that he brought in. I mean, you know, you talk about your your Hargraves and your Tees Tabers and Keanu Neal's. I mean, and just a really good recruiter and. Still did it at, at South Carolina at a high level. Um, you know, I just think another another one of those guys that really energetic guy. Um, he's got a track record of putting his players in the league, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, ultimately I think for those guys that's the number one thing that they're looking at, right, is how are you going to prepare me for the next level? And when you look at his track record, it's there. Yeah, so. I agree. I buy that story. Um, so, like, speaking of, like, your time at UF – who, because like we talk about recruiters, who would you as a player, who would you have most liked to play for 
in your time at UF? So if all the guys that were at Florida during your time, who would you have like clicked with, meshed with? Who would you have most enjoyed playing for? You say, are head coaches or any coaches? Any coach. Okay. Um, it would, I mean, again, it, w- it would either be Muschamp or it would be Collins. I'm a big fan of both those guys. Um, just see that they, they both – they coach their ass off and um, they love their kids and they're going to coach them hard. But at the same time, um, I think their kids respect them and, and they know that it's it's for the best. And it's, it's tough love, man. And I'm, I'm a big believer in tough love. Um, you know, that's kind of how I coach and that's kind of how I grew up. And I, I think it's just – it's the best way to go about it, right? So – Energetic guys. I like if I see head coaches on the sideline, they're getting fired up. I know it means something to them. I, I'm 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 a ride for you. I like that. I am um, huge fan of of Muschamp and and what he did at UF personally, mm-hmm. because I think he had to clean up uh, um, a program that was in in a bad situation mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, and I think he did that to the best of his ability, and I think he did a really really good job of it. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that he was ever going to win a championship at UF, but. I, I'm I'm happy that he came to UF and did what he did what he did while he was there. Yeah, I agree. Tough situation he walked into. Yeah, very tough. Yeah, and 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 I think it was a testament to how long he got because of how much he was liked by everybody there. Like there was nobody in that in yeah. in any part of the athletic office that was like, damn, it's time for him to go. Yeah, it was like, God, we really don't we don't want to have to do this, but mm-hmm. you know, this is the University of Florida, and fans get tired of it, and yeah. it is what it is. And so, yeah, I, that that that's a testament to him as a person. Um, the next question I feel like is probably going to be the same answer, but who was the best coach in your time at UF? Like overall, just as a, as a college football coach, who was the best overall coach? Mm. I would say there were some good ones. Um, Brad Lawing was really good. Um, he was a defensive line coach there. Um trying to think of some other guys obviously you know Jeff Collins was good he didn't necessarily really have a, a position that he was coaching um you know like I said T-Rob's track record kind of speaks for itself I you know I was never really around the guys on the offensive side of the ball to really understand know um much about I don't think that. it mattered if you were on the offensive side of the ball <laughs> at that time to be honest yeah, yeah you're probably right <laughs> but um you know, the, the, the typical faces, kind of the, the guys that have already said. I think Jeff Collins, the way that he saw the game was a lot different from the way um, maybe most people look at it. And I think that's kind of what made him unique as a game plan guy. Um, and he put together some really good ones. Um, so, there was some good coaches there. There was some good GAs there. I mean, there was guys like, um, like Willie Green, I think, is now at um, – I want to say he's the D.C. at Western Carolina now. Um, Josh Lynham, he was at Jacksonville State, and I think I saw something the other day that now he's at Georgia Tech with um, Jeff Collins. So, I mean, just in general, from 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 the top to the bottom at a program like that, you're, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be good coaches there. So, No, 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 for sure. Um, all right, speaking of uh, – of good coaches, we're going to try and transition a little bit off of UF. We may revisit it here some, but just more you in general. Like, um, we already asked about coaching long term, but 
what if there was one defensive coach that you would like to be compared to or used in the same sentence with who would it be and then why um i don't i don't i don't know if compare is is the right word the word i would use um but i think like when there there's certain places right where when you turn on the tape and you can tell that guys are they're really, really fundamentally sound, and they tackle well, mm-hmm. and, and they strike people up front, and they control mm-hmm. blocks. Um, mm-hmm. Like, when I think about defense, that's that's how I think about defense. I think everything starts up front. Yes, sir. You have to be able to control blocks up front, and you have to be able to tackle well. Yes, sir. So, you know, if when you look at teams who do that well, um, you know, when you turn on our tape, that's what I think I would like people to say about our defense. Gotcha. Yeah. So not necessarily like a person, but like that style. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Dominate up front. Yeah. And then when we get to the point, make a tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I, I totally agree. You got it, buddy. All right, Riley. I um, you may have somewhat answered this with the last question, but what do you feel like your best attribute as a coach is? Um, I want to. I, I think it's how organized and and detail oriented I am. And I think because of that, it kind of allows me to, to see things and, and have answers for them and, and understand how teams um, attack us um, kind of before. So, it, to me, it's like the, the preparation of game week is that you're trying to, in your mind, you're trying to visualize and play the game before it actually happens. So, you have to have not only a good understanding of – who you're playing against, but your game plan and how what they have and things that you've seen on tape, what they could pull from to attack what you're doing. And then you have to have those answers built in. Um, so to me, I think um, I think that's what it is. Um, just being, being organized. And I, I'm big on – I want to – like on Sundays when we have our meetings, I want to script all of our – all of our practice periods, and I want to have all that laid out before um, before Monday starts. Um, that way it's, hey, are we getting enough of this? Are we getting enough of this? And obviously you have to tweak it here and there um, because you're going to look at things and you're going to say, all right, what do we need to get rid of? You know, is there something that we need to add? Did we find something from watching more film that um, we need to have an answer for? Whatever it is. Um, but I think it's just being detail oriented and, and organized. Can you, uh, when we get done with this, can you teach me to be detail oriented? It's tough. I think so. Like my thing, right. is like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm only partially kidding. I, I don't know if it's ADHD. It's like one of those things. Like I just, I like have it where it's like when I, once I get into something, it's like, it's full. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just go. You didn't answer my question though. Will you teach me? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think I think it's one of those things that you just have or you don't. I mean, maybe it isn't, but well, well, for me try? it was you like one of, teach me. yeah. For me it was one of those things. Like I just I feel like I've always had it. Yeah. You know. No, I, I he, that is true. If I, I would show you some of our practice schedules from spring ball and or, or even summer <laughs> summer workouts, you'd be like, oh my god. No, but it's all but it's all good. Um, and I would agree with your assessment of yourself there, Riley. So, how would you describe, like, how would you consider yourself as a defensive coach? Like, what style, what's your style as a defensive coach? So, to me, football is about 
like two things. Um, defense specifically, you have to stop the run and you have to affect the quarterback. Um, so I think it changes from from year to year based on kind of what you have. Yep. And like I'm not going to throw anything out that's going to be this year. You're going to have to wait and see it. Yeah, but do we'll, not. Do not do that. We'll look a little different um, this year on defense than we did last year just from guys that we have, um, guys that left, whatever it may be. Um, but I think you have to adapt it to your personnel. And then, like I said, ultimately you've got to stop and run and you've got to hit quarterback. We say we tell we tell our guys right. So on Christmas, right, Christmas Eve, here we go. Yes, there, sir. There's all these reindeer, right? But there's only one of them that pulls a sleigh. And his name is Rudolph. <laughs> so if, if if you get in Rudolph's head, like Santa ain't dropping off the presents. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's why that part two is right affects quarterback, and you can do that in a multitude of ways, right? You can come after his ass. You can make it look like we're coming after your ass and then we're getting out of there. We can bring guys that you don't see. We can play different coverages. We can give change our pre-snap, whatever it is. Um, those guys don't like that. Nope. Love it. So, would you say, and I, you said it already, but I just want to make it even more clear for, for all of our listeners, that you don't technically have like a style per se – you match your style to fit your personnel, and yeah. that may change from year to year. Yeah. But you're good enough at what you do that you can, and then it's a humble brag, but you can be flexible, mm-hmm. and you can cater your defense to your to your group. Yeah, and I think that you can even shrink that down, and it might change like from drive to drive in the middle of the game. Like you may say, man, I, like that's I've always been in the box, but one thing I do like about being on the field is. I kind of get more of a sense of like the energy of a game and I can look at my guys and I can say, hey, what's going on? What do we like? What should we do? Um, because at the end of the day, it's like if I can look at my guys and they say, hey, we like this, well, then let's do it because they believe in it. And if they believe in it, right, I think that says something. That's uh, – I like that. I like that. that. That says that you actually pay attention to your players and – Mm-hmm. I think that's a lost art in the coaching world, honestly. Yeah. Um, I feel like this next question, there's, it's a two-part question. I'll take part one because it's, it's a softball for you. What's the easiest offense to defend? Uh, <laughs> don't uh, like you don't know. Well, single wing, wing T if you can't triple out of it. Single wing, wing T. Yep, I agree. Single because wing, they, wing T. <laughs> they're going to run six or seven plays – and I mean the those offenses usually are so tendency oriented yes. that you can have checks based on backfield alignments and, and formations and stuff like that that puts you in really good situations to to play against. So I know we played three wing T teams last year and none of them scored a point. Say that hey, will you say that one more time, coach? We played three wing T teams last year and none of them scored a point. Yeah, so anyways, wing T. John Boy. <laughs> now, if if you can formation and triple option out of that, saying that you can get in a bunch of formations and you can run the triple, that's a different story. Yeah, because then now you now the tendencies are not there. Yes. Yes, sir. Um, second part of that question is, and, and, and I agree, what is the toughest offense to defend? 
the single wing if you can formation and triple out of it. <laughs> or so like that would be like the offense, right? If you had to put a name to it. Here's the toughest offense to defend though, is like you play teams from like Jacksonville or Miami. Oh, talk to me. And cause... they're they're gonna spread you out and they're gonna put their best player quarterback. That's that's tough. That's a la tough. noodle. Because every <laughs> everything is like covered. And you're like, oh, yeah, hey, we're doing good. And then he just makes you look stupid. I mean, that's the, the, the big thing in high school, right, is, like, it's really hard to tackle guys that are really good in high school. <laughs> like, at college, it's different because you got 11 guys that are good football players. They're on scholarship. They're, like, really good athletes. Sometimes in high school, you might have a kid that he's starting for you because he plays really hard and he'll stick his face in the fan <laughs> and he knows what's going on. Yep. But he might not be the best athlete. So – to me, I mean, that's that can that can get tricky. Now, I think over the years, I've I've learned some stuff that can help with that that type of stuff. Um, Wish I'd have knew you in about like seventeen and eighteen. Then, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, I co-signed that. Yeah. Wide open, best athlete. The worst part is this, Riley. If you get wide open, best best athlete that can throw the ball, but also can read coverages. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah, pre yeah. so pre snap he knew we were rolling to cover three if he or he knew his quarters. Yeah. And so and then he was good enough three year starter he could he knew what was the breaker the beater to that coverage. So like I've, I've never played a kid like that in high school. This cat was different. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I I totally I totally agree with uh with him there. I've played some good quarterbacks in high school. The one that stands out the best one that I've played against far and away was Brian Maurer when he was at Westport. Mm-hmm. He was at Tennessee now. Like the fourth play of the game, um, they're on the right hash, and he throws a deep out to the left hash, and the ball came out before he broke. And, um, like, that thing was right on the money, and I was on the headset. I said, um, I said, you got anything for that, dog? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like there was that, like, radio silent on the headset. I said, yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> There's really no reason that he didn't start the entire year last year at Tennessee. That kid can sling it. And so, like, when, when we got at Trinity, he would come out there and throw to some of the guys, and he, he's a really good kid, and he can spin it. So, yeah, that kid was different. So, we talked about not having this question, but we're gonna, I, I still want to know the answer to this question, and then we're going to go back to the original question that we said we are going to end on. Okay. So, you're a big Gator fan, uh-huh. as am I, obviously. Is Todd Grantham – Misunderstood? Is he the right man for the job? Is he going to get the job done this year? I need you to tell me all these things. I don't think Todd Grantham is misunderstood. I think people understand him perfectly. Like, he is who he is. Um, He's Dr. Funk. He's going to bring shit. And I think I've said this before on here, but he's going out with an empty clip. Um, Yes, sir. They'll be good this year. They'll be good this year, I think. Um, I mean, I just – Talk to me. I think – up front, they're loaded. Um, I think I've said this before here on the show. I think the guys that are in that that room, they're competitive and they know that they have to be better, um, not just from a player standpoint, but from the coach's standpoint. Because ultimately, like it always falls on the coach. I like to tell my guys, I say, hey, if you go out there and you always fight, and never quit. Every point scores on me, right? And it might not be, but yeah, like that's your defense. If if you're gonna you know, be the coordinator, ultimately that falls on you. And I, I tell our coaches the same thing. I say, hey, if uh, if we look really good, it's we. If we suck, it's me. So, um, I think 
and they understand that. They understand that pressure, and I think it'll look better. I, I just – people forget, like, Todd Grantham had top 15 and top 10 defenses at Louisville and Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. He's had one bad year. Like, really, when you look at it, he's had one bad year. And people have, like, this – the third and Grantham thing. I bet if those people went and looked at third down percentage of the places that he's been at, they would be really surprised at his overall ranking. Because here's a guy, right, that can dictate protection, attack protections by overloading where the protection is going to be on third down, and he can get home. They had 49 sacks at Florida two years ago, I think it was. They had like 16 in one game against Miami, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Maybe he is misunderstood. I don't know. Maybe I think here's what I'll say. Third and Grantham might be misunderstood. I'll buy that story. I, I, I agree with that. I, I think I don't think Todd Grantham's personality is misunderstood at all. No, no, no. He's yeah. No, you're, it is who he is. You fire a guy who's competitive as shit, and I mean, you can obviously see that on television. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I think you may have already answered. Well, I just got a la- one last question that we'll end on. But there, but to finish the one, you said the best one you coached against was the Mauro kid that's at Tennessee. No, he just said a really good one. I don't think he oh, okay. said the best. Okay, well, that, well, that would be the – honestly, that would probably be the best one I've coached against because, like, I would consider when I was at Florida, I wasn't really coaching. I was just kind of there helping out. Now, the best one I've seen, right, was Tim Williams in the SEC championship game from Alabama. Yeah. I mean, that it was like – I'm, like, watching that guy come off the football and, like, our right tackle never had a chance. So I mean, he just, the, like, completely took over football game. So he's the best player that you've ever seen on a football field, like, with your own eyes live, Tim yeah. Williams. Yeah. I agree. I'll buy, I'll buy that story. Yeah. He was a freak in that game. Yeah. I mean, it was stupid what he was doing. It was stupid. So we said coached against? Coached against was uh, Mauer, right? Yeah, just didn't have a lot for that. <laughs> Seen ever, and then what was the other one? Seen ever was Tim Williams. Tim Williams. Yeah. That, then, Tim, so that would be my best single-game performance I've ever seen. Would okay. Be that one. Yeah. And that then was, I don't know if you can answer this one because, you know, you, you know, just just as a coach, I don't know if you can answer this one, but who's the best player you've ever coached yourself? Dante Fowler. Well, I didn't coach him myself, but I was there when he was there. Dante Fowler. Yeah? Yeah. Not, Not even, even close. close. Not even close. How much of a freak is Dante Fowler? It, it's stupid. When like when he wanted to, you couldn't block him. I agree. And the thing about Dante was he always like he he wasn't one of those guys where he, it wasn't like he didn't want to, like he wanted to. I mean, he, he different, different. You're talking about a. I don't I don't remember what his forty was. It was like a four five yeah, one or something show. like that at yeah. like two hundred sixty pounds. I mean, guy took over football games. I'm with that. Who was the best player you coached in high school? Best player I coached in high school. The the back that we had at Trinity was a really good player. That's what we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, Jamari and Samuel. Just, I mean, now he had some help up front, and those kids were really good too, right? So we had <laughs> – Listen to this. We yeah. our, Tune into this yeah. garbage. This is not fair. Our, uh, our center is now a freshman at Florida, Jake Slaughter. Um, our right tackle – is now a freshman at Notre Dame, Caleb Johnson, and then he was playing guard for us at the time. Garner Langlo is now a freshman at Auburn. 
<laughs> so Jamarian had some help. He Who were the some, other two losers on that line? Oh, they, well, they were they were they were pretty good too. One of them had a bunch of SEC offers, and one of them does now. So, yeah, that's um, not bad. What they literally um, had a college O line. Yeah, he. So when when we played Trinity Christian in uh, the playoffs that year, they had um, they had uh, shoot um, what was the kid's name that went to Clemson? Uh, Fred Davis. Yep. DB. They had Miles Brooks that went to Georgia Tech. Um, they had Trayon Webb who just committed to Oklahoma. Um, I mean, they had uh, Marcus Marcus Burke. Jamarian Samuel was the best player on the field that night. He just wasn't what he was. I mean, he ran for like 280 yards in that game. He had like four or five tackles. He knocked Fred Davis out on a post. He was playing both ways that game. I mean – I witnessed the guy getting knocked. Was, Fred was, Davis getting knocked out. He, he was special. He showed me the film. Last question, mm-hmm. easy one here. Um, was not on your list. I just got it sent to me from our coach's group chat. Uh-uh. Rick Whittington. Okay, he okay. Uh, he asked one earlier that I absolutely will not a- uh, ask <laughs> on air. I haven't seen that one. I have to yeah, go back and look. When you go back and look, you'll understand why. But the the one that he did ask that I, that I will ask on air is. Um, he said, can you ask him, other than the Tigers, Union County, uh-huh. and the Gators, what are your top three mascots? Top three mascots. Golly. If you knew Rick, you would really like this question. Because um, I won't read the rest of it, but he, he goes on. So, sh- shout out to uh, my guy, Ryan Lusby. He's the offensive coordinator at uh, Arkansas Monticello. I believe they are the Bull Weevils. Okay, okay. That's a great mascot. I don't know what a bull weevil is, by the way, but. Me either. Impressive mascot. (laughs) Uh, Man. I got to have two more. Uh, If you get one more, I'll throw you a lifeline. Okay. I'm just going through and, like, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm looking at the TV right now. I don't really know what a Met is. But I don't think can I can I put them in my bottom three? Yeah, I can, we, can, we can allow a Met to be a yeah, bottom no, three. No, nobody likes the Mets. They're the worst. Yeah. Um. Raging yeah, Raging Cajun is a good one. Um, shout out to Patrick Tony at UL. There you go. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and read the rest of what he said. Okay. So we'll go. Raging Cajun is your two. Okay. He said because the Inverness Razorbacks. Oh. Is pretty awesome. Yeah. He didn't say awesome. And they deserve to make the cut. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, the Razorbacks. That was that was the old Pop Warner squad. There we go. Shout the old Inverness Razorbacks. Razorbacks, baby. That's all. Hey, we were salty. <laughs> I'm telling you, salty. Hey, I think that might conclude it. There. Tell Travis we might have run the seven diamond there. You know, he did. He said, make sure you ask him when he is installing the seven diamond. Yeah. That was uh, one of the questions. I did skip over it. Whenever Travis, we play like the Notre Dame box or something. Yeah. Travis and Joe did want that question read. Gotcha. Uh, but but I, I liked Rick's. Rick's was pretty good. Yeah. I'm sorry um, I didn't have a better answer for you there, Rick. I wasn't, I wasn't fully prepared. <laughs> I know there's some good ones, but I just off the top of my head can't think of him. like whatever I know whatever school he went to over there in Illinois I think he said they had a pretty good one but, yeah Wabash something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, can't think of it off the top of couldn't my head. tell you so, but uh Riley man I enjoy it I enjoyed it Joey uh pretty good huh it was it was as perfect as I was expecting it to be there you go I knew he would be prepared I knew <laughs> I knew everything would be would be just right 
He's a, he's a sitter. He knows what's going on. Yeah, he, at this point, he's basically a, a damn professional. So, Riley, we appreciate you and your time, man. Uh, you still got to show up even though we're not interviewing you. I will. I will. It might, might be a little less frequent now that we're getting into the game. Speaking of games, y'all come check out your Union County Fighting Tigers. We're going to be pretty salty on defense this year. Yes, sir. Ant, you want to go see it for yourself? (laughs) Let me close this thing out, sir. All right, this has been a lot of Gator talk. Go nose, go white, Mike. Uh, Go recruiting. Uh, This has been another episode of a new. I'm sorry, wrong podcast. Uh, You've been on the front porch sitting tonight with uh, Joey Edge, Chris Martinez, Riley Reed, Chandler Collins sitting in. I am not Bradford Douglas, but we are front porch sitting. We will see you next time, sitters. Peace. Yeah. I got black, I got white, what you want? Hop outside a ghost and hop up in a fan, on. Uh. I know I'm about to blow, oh, oh, I ain't dumb They try to take my floor, I take their ransom I know that I'm gone, they see me blowing up, now they say they want some I got two twin blocks, turn you to a dancer I see two twin eyes, leave them on a band, uh. And I got two wanna link the game I got red, I got blue, what you want? The Chanel Balenciaga, Louis Vuitton She know I got the Fanny Prada when I From the bottom, you can see the way I stomp I want all the diamonds, I want that to wear time The app, they tryna lie me, cause they hate the place I'm from But them don't know me, they just know the place I'm from I got lots of shorties tryna pull up to my place But you ain't want me last year, so just get up on my face They all up in my inbox, so I know they wanna taste I know they want my downfall, and are you lazy? I got black, I got white, what you want? Hop outside a ghost and hop up in a fan, uh. I know I'm about to blow, oh, oh, I ain't done. They try to take my floor, I take they ransom I know that I'm gone, they see me blowing up, now they say they want some I got two twin vibes, turn you to a dancer I see two twin eyes, leave them on a band, uh. And I got two d- wanna link the game, I got black, I got white, what you want? Hop outside a ghost and hop up in a fan, uh. I know I'm about to blow, oh, oh, I ain't done. They try to take my floor, I take they me blowing up, now they say they want some. I got two twin vibes, turn you to a dancer. I see two twin eyes, leave them on a band. Uh.